is up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lahore. And this week on the pod, we are looking for subliminal messages in pop culture and following all of the clues on the map as we review 2018's Under the Silver Lake. Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. I found some kind of code or like secret message in her apartment. It means to stay quiet. Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. There's a message in the music. Sam, a disenchanted young man, finds a mysterious woman swimming in his apartment's pool one night. The next morning, she disappears. Sam sets off across LA to find her, and along the way, he uncovers a conspiracy far more bizarre. As always with our podcast, warning, uh, there are spoilers ahead for Under the Silver Lake, uh, a movie that absolutely can be spoiled and and and. Uh, I feel like it would not be as good if it is spoiled. So uh, go check out the movie first. Come back to the pod if you haven't seen it. Um, and we have a, a very special guest joining us to review Under the Silver Lake. We've got Lee all the way from Edinburgh, Scotland. This is incredible to have you on the pod, Lee. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about Under the Silver Lake. It's a film that feels like not enough people have seen or spoken about so i'm excited to talk about it with anyone anytime and it's been a pleasure to be on here today to do so yeah Yeah, i'm I'm really excited to cover it um you said you mentioned you have a a24 pod as well is that right yeah that's right yeah so um yeah i have i mentioned before i've been enjoying listening to you guys for for a year or so so yeah we've we've got a podcast we're called like the a24 project so Instead of like two American white guys and folk <laughs> talking about podcasts, we've got like two white British guys just like <laughs> chatting about A24 films and things like that. So yeah, like it's, uh, we're, we're, I think this like, this like class as a crossover or is this like where you're kind of British uncle or cousin? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Not enough white guys with movie podcasts, right? No, That's what exactly. the world needs more of. So yeah, I'm on 100%. Board. <laughs> 100%. Uh, well, that's super epic, man. Uh, yeah, so listeners, obviously, we assume you like A24, so go go check out the A24 project uh, from Lee. Uh, so, Lee, let's let's start this conversation. We generally start the pod trying to kind of uh, get our base thoughts on the movie before we dive into any uh, true cinema moments, before we talk about it more in depth. Uh, you mention a movie that you feel not a lot of people have seen, that you want more people to see. Um, do you consider this like a, a top five underrated A24 movie? Uh, easily. Um, I think one of those things like I, with yourselves and, and myself, we watch A24 movies. Like we're tapped into that zeitgeist of, of their movies, the marketing. You know, people are talking about like men, for example. It's not out in the mm-hmm. UK for a few weeks, but like people have been building up for weeks, like teaser trailers, campaigns. But like under the Silver Lake is like almost like you could class it as an atypical A24 movie that they just decided to just like chuck into bargain bins. Like they did a dirty yeah. on with like the releases. And it's like, I, I, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, how did they do that to the film? What was so wrong with this film? The A24 of all people chose to like kind of disregard this movie, 
barely acknowledge its existence out with like they made a dvd they gave it like the typical a24 shop mug why was this film completely overlooked in such a shocking way and um yeah i think it's it's insane what they did to to that film and yeah so many a24 films like even some of the rubbish in their filmography has had so much more viewership (laughs) discussions topics people like dedicating time on podcasts to it than like one of their best films which yeah i I definitely think has made it very underrated yeah what about you ben is it is it making the underrated a24 cut for you uh i'm not sure i mean i'm i'm so fresh off of this um i i enjoyed it i'm obviously here for everything with andrew garfield um i'm a huge fan i really enjoyed you know all like the the tributes and whatever to you know obviously like rear window i feel like there's a little bit of vertigo and stuff in Mm -hmm. here too um yeah i mean i I, it's something that's been on my queue for a very long time to get around to you know it's like well it's a24 and it's andrew garfield like i feel like i'm gonna be on board after seeing zola i was like yeah riley keogh like i'm here for that as well so um yeah i mean it it probably you know at at least the anticipation of it was just like cool I'm, i'm very excited to check this out i had a good time i'm excited to get into the conversation with it um i think overall my feelings were just like i wanted 20 less minutes i think mm. i think there were times where i was like okay oh we're going to something else now okay got it you know like i had i had that a few times which is a, a bummer overall i enjoyed it but i just like i think if it's a tight two hours and not 219 i i would be so much like more high on this movie but still like lived up pretty much to what i was hoping for yeah you you mentioned it is 139 minutes um so it did release at uh, Cannes Film Festival in 2018, which is very interesting uh, for this film. It had a budget of $8 million, and it only cracked uh, just over $2 million at the box mm. office. Uh, so that could be could be part of the reason. It's very interesting. It does come out in, um, like a, in, a, in a very public way, kind of a nationwide release, in such a hot time for A24. You've got Under the Silver Lake comes out in, in April of 2019. Then you've got The Souvenir, the last black man in San Francisco, Midsommar, and the and the farewell. Those are those are the movies that kind of like pack end this, which are um, seriously a, like a twenty four stalwarts when you're talking about what is going to stand out in the filmography. So I think it is an interesting conversation. I think it's underrated after having seen it. Ben, I can see where you're coming from on the on the length. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about that as we go. A uh, little note before we dive in for true cinema. Uh, Sydney Sweeney is in this movie. Uh, <laughs> epic uh she's in euphoria which is also produced by uh a24 um and then you've got a pretty pretty solid cast uh actually in Topher grace and you mentioned riley keogh uh loved loved seeing Topher grace be the weird hippie guy that uh flies drones and spies (laughs) on people which is fantastic (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was great. My girlfriend was like, I thought Topher Grace was in this because that's definitely Jason Mraz. Like, yes, he is definitely dressed like Jason Mraz without a doubt. Uh, totally. I love seeing Ricky Lindholm too from Garfunkel and Oates. They're super funny. Yeah, good good stuff for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about this true cinema. Uh, the opening scene, we've got a squirrel falling from a tree. We've got this grandiose kind of old time cinema. Um, Lee, do you remember the, the first time you saw this? Is this a scene that kind of like stuck out to you? And how how important do you think this scene is in like setting the tone and expectations of the movie? Yeah, I, I do remember the first time I see it because I was one of the the rare people to actually get the chance to see this in the cinema. Like, oh, cool. it, nice. um, obviously, obviously, A twenty four is only now just re- like 
everyone kind of has this misconception to, to give you a boring history lesson of how silly people are in the UK. Like A24 is like an American producer distributor that does not release in the rest of the world, but mm-hmm. like they've only just done it for the first time in the, the UK with everything everywhere at once. But like Mubi, who I think you, you get in America, they <laughs> bought the rights to it here in the UK and actually put it on. I, I got to see it at the Glasgow Film Festival. They wow. did sort of like re- some like a small release in the kind of UK cinemas, like Andrew Garfield turned up to a couple of the events. So I got to see it in, in the cinema. So I, I, I think you mentioned it like, it showed it can and then it had like delay after delay after mm. delay for for a24 um so i was really hyped to kind of see it in the the cinema and like i think very much that opening scene i was like oh my god i'm actually seeing this movie that a24 have delayed <laughs> for about a year in a cinema at a film festival and probably felt like this would be my one and only shot to like ever see this film so yeah i think like you're immediately kind of thrown in with that like beware the dog killer and you're like wait mm. what is yeah. this film going to be and in that second you're thinking this could go either way. This could be, yeah, I understand why this film has been delayed so often. Or like, this seems a bit bizarre. I'm just going to go go along with it. And when you get that kind of disaster piece score as well in the beginning of that opening scene, oh, it kind of really sets you up really well. Yeah. yeah. Ben, ben, you just watched this like 20, 30 minutes ago, man. Uh, the opening scene, I, I watched it on my laptop. And like the first thing I was like, oh shit, like things are going to get weird. We're just going to be, we're just <laughs> going to get really weird for two hours. Uh, what, did, what did you think, Ben? I mean, yeah, it definitely got weird. Uh, Lee, were you, so have you seen Everything Everywhere then? Were you able to see that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I got to see that a couple of weeks ago. So it, nice. it's been a horrific experience of like, I, I did, couldn't listen to your guys' podcast with you, so I skipped that episode. <laughs> like just listening to Americans for about a month go, this is the greatest film ever, or it's like constantly rolling out. Like It was actually meant to just be released on like our equivalent of cable here oh, and okay. like on wow. Sky Cinema. And people were like, me and my friends were like, oh, we really want to see the new film from the Daniels, yeah. but like, what are we going to do? Watch it on a laptop or sort of like, we were even debating like hiring a cinema screen and just Ooh. kind of wow. streaming it into there. But then the film's success was so big in America that A24 have kind of started to make a little bit of an office here in the UK and London. Ooh. And then they were like, oh, we could actually make a lot of money off this. Yeah. So like in the space of a few weeks, it went away from just being this cable movie that was going to happen. To actually being a film that they were going to release in cinema so it had like an imax week preview it Whoa. had um the daniels came over and did a couple of screenings in, so in london cool. so yeah it, it's been out for just over maybe a week or two here and, and getting really good kind of traction here in the uk awesome. so yeah so we've still got a couple of weeks to get before men but yeah everything yeah. everywhere and once is making making waves here at the moment that's cool. I mean, yeah, being in its ninth week and crossing fifty million dollars is crazy. Yeah. But, R- R.I.P. Uh, uncut gems, man. We had <laughs> know, a good, we right? had a good rain, we had a good run. It was tough. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I thought about that obviously with that first scene because I like that squirrel like reaching up and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's kind of like the raccoonie, like just like the very <laughs> real puppet animatronic thing of the animal. Um, yeah, definitely that opening scene, like you said, Lee, of like the beware the dog killer. It's like, whoa, what are we getting? And also the kind of the coloring of it and stuff like that. Like, I was like, is it like, is this set? I, I kind of forgot that it was modern day. I was like, Oh, is this like a flashback or something? Like, is this, like, I don't know. It kind of gave me like the seventies vibes or whatever, but uh, yeah, I was, I was on board. Like, like I said, like I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think for the first like hour or so, this was like a four and a half star movie for me, four star. Like I was way on board. And then, it just like the longer it went, the more I was like, Oh, I feel like maybe some of this could have got tightened up, but the opening scene set it up like perfectly. I think. 
Yeah, you mean like the 10-minute car drive following the white rabbit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool. You like, lock it down a little. problem with that, yeah, is that he like pulled over to the left to like, yeah, yeah it was like, you just cross traffic to <laughs> like pull over, but it was cool. Sure, sure. Uh, I think one of the things that hit me uh, right when this movie started was this like very kind of old time, old time cinema homage in the score. And I know, yeah. Ben, you mentioned um, like we, we get a, a rear window, we get tons of references to uh, Hitchcock. We get a lot of like old time Hollywood references. I think this is a low key, like a fire score for a movie that I just like mm-hmm. hear nobody ever, ever talk about. There's lots of scenes here. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll through a couple and a few at a time. And then we'll just kind of like talk about him as we go. Um, his car gets keyed. He beats the shit out of this little kid. Um, are we like he, so there are multiple times in this movie where he immediately resorts to very brutal violence to get what he wants or, or search for answers. Um, when he beats up this kid, uh, how, like, how are we feeling? Are we on board? Like, does a kid deserve it? He keyed a, a dick into this guy's car or is it, a, or is it too much? Sam is like a dick. I think, <laughs> yeah. like, I yeah, think is. I have kind of, I suppose I'm curious about obviously your take as kind of having seen it more fresh, but like, I've been so used to over the past few years, like there's this like misconception about under the silver lake that Sam is meant to be this likable character and you know, this character is reprehensible and it's horrible. And it's like, Kit, that's the point. Mm-hmm. He is like, and we'll dive into that probably a bit later. Like Sam is a terrible human being. I mean, <laughs> like his, his rant about like the homeless for Yeah, for exactly. Example. I was going to say. He, he, yeah, he is just a terrible human being. And like when he does that, it's like, yeah, I can kind of understand being pissed off. Someone's key in my car. But like at the same time, you're like, yeah, that is that is a bit too far. What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Like coming off of Most Violent Year when, you know, we have the, chase with oscar isaac and then ends up like kind of pulling back or whatever i think we get that a lot in movies where they confront whoever you know like someone that keys your car and then it's like oh you're just a kid get out of here and i was like no i'm I'm actually kind of glad that he just shoved that egg in this kid's mouth you know and then like he kicks the other one while it's on the ground it's like yeah like this is our character cool i like this like let me know that this that's who this guy is because i think it's a lot of what people would want to do but wouldn't do because they know it's like wrong but it's kind of interesting to see actually like done on screen. It's like, okay, cool. This guy is literally not pulling any punches. Like he's just gonna, he's going to go for it. And, and there's a scene later too, that's on the list here where he, he beats up Jesus from this, from the band. And he like, he just rips him off of the toilet while he's taking a dump and is like, dude, tell me about your secret messages and your records. And just like punches him like right out of the gate. He doesn't even like try to like, have a conversation with this guy. He just immediately resorts to violence, which I think, um, you know, when you, you talk about the uh, overt thematic elements of this movie and um, the kind of the, the pop culture nature of who humans are and how we've been formed by what we know throughout the years, um, specifically from like the singer that we see in this movie Mm -hmm. um, makes sense, right? He, he's kind of an asshole because that's everything he knows. He knows about violence and, you know, and he knows about, conspiracy theories and etc um the black and white animation that we get i think is is pretty fun um and then i think the bath scene for me is really the first scene where it's like wow andrew garfield's character sam he's he's diving in like he is choosing to believe that there is you know media out there run by the rich for the rich messages that are not designed for us um and things like that it, is that kind of a, a shifting moment for for you two as well, where you start to buy in more or 
did it have the opposite effect where you're like, oh gosh, we're getting a little too wild here? I, I think for me, it's like, I think the problem I think with this film and how it can be, be viewed sometimes is like, like that's the moment where like you're either in on it or like you're going, you're either Andrew Garfield's character and you know, like this movie has like a Reddit thread forum mm-hmm. dedicated to like solving the mysteries of this movie as if like, you know, like as if it is a movie in itself that needs to be decoded and explained or like you're that nurse that's like, oh yeah, that, that sounds okay. Yeah, kind of yeah. believable. That yeah. sounds pretty wild. And like the, I, the, the joke clearly of this film is like these type of people exist in real life. We encounter them. We see them on social media all the time. You know, some might even argue he is like the atypical kind of like if someone went, what's like an A24 stan or film Twitter stan? Like oh, this, sure. everything <laughs> this guy about right here. Him, like t- replace what he's like deep diving into and like replace it with, say, like Midsummer or something like that. People after all these years are still diving into like, what does this film mean? And all this different subtext that you can imagine like Ari Aster going, yeah, like some of that's correct. I mean, that's a bit of a reach with that. Yeah. Like, he is. He is the, mocking almost the type of audience that <laughs> should be watching this film or seeing it. And even that Reddit thread has clearly no sense of irony in terms of who it's kind of <laughs> aimed at. Like it's self-generated, like this, this so many different sounds, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it reminds me of the Jordan Peele thing with Get Out when, yeah. you know, like she's drinking the milk and then eating the dry cereal and they talk to him about it. He's like, oh, that's. I hadn't thought of that. I just thought it was a really weird way to eat cereal. That's all, you know, but like, people are like, Oh, it's like segregation. Like, like, it's like, Oh no, that's not what I was doing at all. I just thought it was like, it looked cool and weird. So that was it. But uh, yeah, I think this movie also gives us some of that where it's just like her movie that they watch and all that stuff is, you know, how to marry a millionaire. And we see how that all pays out. And, you know, he's got like the psycho poster and Wolfman poster, just all this stuff in his, and it's like, Oh, these are like, you know, what I I think for the most part, we just take his Easter eggs. But when you get a movie like this, where it's like, oh, I got to decode this and figure out exactly what he's doing and stuff like that. And I think this movie like plays up to that on purpose, which I think, you know, is part of why it's so good. Yeah. And maybe that's part of the reason that I buy into this movie so much is because I love these types of like Easter eggs type things. You know, I mean, Marvel is is kind of substantially working on that right now of, of having Easter eggs all the time. And what does this mean? And what does this lead to? And, and clues here and there. I think this is um, immensely more interesting than that because it it's, it's real. Like this could be somebody trying to solve who is the dog killer or, or what is happening and all of these things. Um, Speaking of Marvel uh, though, like how cool is that? Like amazing Spider-Man, his hand is stuck to the yeah. comic. Like that was pretty, pretty cool. That was awesome. I like Yeah, that was sick. There's also an amazing Spider-Man Funko Pop in the back of one of his uh shots when he's like t- towards the end of the movie when he's walking in his house. I thought that was nice. pretty sweet. Um so uh speaking of how this could be real life, so he meets the author, um, which is, you know, this this guy that's been writing these kind of um these little like black and white uh novellas essentially, and um kind of entrenched in all of this conspiracy theory. Um, We solve a lot of these hidden messages. There's a lot of hidden code. And then this homeless king shows up. Um, This was weird, right? Or was this this, like not weird? Like this guy shows up and I was really on board until this. And then the homeless king showed up and I was like, okay, I might, I might be too far gone. Like I might not be sold on the homeless king thing. Um, 
Lee, I I gotta know, is the homeless king? Where's he? Where's he ranked for you in this movie? Is he is he a good guy in this movie? I I quite like him. I think he falls under sort of like he's an interesting enough kind of character. But it's really for me like it. It's all about the sort of the musician at that point that I'm more more interested in. Like the homeless yeah. king just sort of comes at like that sort of wrong part of the movie. Like he's a fine enough character, but after you sort of have the whole thing with the author and then sort of the singer, like I kind of if when I'm sort of ranking those kind of characters, his impression doesn't leave as much. And perhaps that's the moment where it can be maybe kind of trimmed a little mm-hmm. bit if you were looking to bring it down, I think. Yeah. yeah I, ben, can I, I, can I ask you real quick, Ben, that was going to be my question, Lee, is, is, is this the scene? Does Sam need to find the, uh, the burial site that we come to know it as? Does he need to find this in order to, for us to have the connection at the end for where Sarah is and where everybody is? Or can we just like, chop this and still get the same impact of what is happening at the end. I think so. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it could get trimmed down. I think it gives him the sense of paranoia though. Cause I think he obviously thinks it's an underground bunker for like mm-hmm. an upcoming war or something. So I think maybe that gives him a sense of urgency or whatever. Like, oh, I got to figure out like these guys know something that's coming. That's not in, in, it is like a version of that with the Ascension or whatever. It's not necessarily impending doom or them just like, wanting to be raptured or whatever but i like the homeless king i really liked his his crown it reminded me of like yeah. max from where the wild things are like yeah. just like this like cardboard thing whatever um but i really liked him meeting the author because i kind of it felt like there's a time in there where he's looking at the author the same way that like uh ricky lindholm the nurse is looking at him in the bathtub where it's like oh you're crazy you know <laughs> it's like it's funny to right. see the crazy person thinks someone else is even more crazy, you know, cause there's just certain times there's like, Oh, what? Like you think what's he's like, no, it's like, you know, it's, it fits perfectly on the map and stuff. And obviously eventually he kind of buys in, but there's a interesting segment there, which is like, Oh, he, I think he now feels like this author dude is nuts. And it's just interesting to see him kind of reflect on that since we saw someone feel that way about him earlier. And that's always the thing with conspiracy theories, isn't it? Like <laughs> you can get the odd conspiracy theory where you're like, yeah, I guess that's kind of possible with an election and you're pitching it to someone and they're yeah. like, no, surely not. Yeah. But then there's always the bigger one that like, oh, they were stuffing ballots here or there <laughs> yeah. or like, you know, oh, I kind of believe in aliens. And it's like, well, let me tell you what they're doing right now and all that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Like I've watched enough X-Files that I, yeah. you know, Fox Mulder's fine sometimes, but there's always the bigger <laughs> nutcase. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's important for this movie, right? It's important to show that there are always varying levels of how entrenched or how deep someone can become in in maybe their own world or their own universe or what they choose to believe in or want to see or want to believe in. Um, we've got the chess party. Like I mentioned, he, he beats up Jesus. Um, I do want to give a shout out. I don't know the actor's name and maybe Ben, you can help me out here or, or Lee. Um, he plays uh, one of his friends that he runs into at the party. He is playing him against him in chess as well. He's from oh, always Jimmy sunny Simpson. Yeah. 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 He's from Westworld. Always sunny. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. When he showed up, I was like, I love this guy. He's a total like that guy moment where you're like, ah, that's the guy. Um, I thought yeah, he was yeah. I thought he was great in this movie. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Jimmy Simpson's his name. He had one of my favorite even just like response. Like, is that a woman's blast? Like, I don't know, probably <laughs> just, like, just like moving on. Like, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, OK, so we, we meet the songwriter and I'll just kind of like lay out the end here so we can talk about the end all together. So we, we meet the, the songwriter, really this like manifestation of modern day media and how he goes on this monologue about how he's, you know, he's written everything that you know and everything that has shaped you into who you are today. Um, 
Andrew Garfield's character just fucking murders him with a Kurt Cobain guitar, which was wild stuff. And there's like 45 minutes left in the movie when this happens. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Then we learned about kind of, you know, the ascension and uh, he makes his phone call to Sarah, who is down, um, you know, underground in this kind of like burial site, this tomb that has been uh, poured over with concrete and but they can FaceTime and all of these very interesting things um, only to really like lead you to the end of him getting questioned about dog biscuits by, by the homeless King. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we're just kind of left to like a question. What does it all mean? Right. So um, I want to pick out our favorite moment here. And then I want to talk about like, what do we think it means? What is, what does the parrot mean? Who is the dog killer? What's, what's the significance of the owls cast? Like, what is real what is not real like where does this all stand so lee do you have a favorite moment and do you think you understand what any of this actually means um my favorite moment i love i love the singer moment i just remember just sitting in that cinema for the first time and just being like just really impressed about how they put it all together just like the choices of music the kind of story they were telling that way i just like i just thought that was quite an incredible moment just incredibly well constructed um, for me, what does the film mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> like it's, it, I almost, I, I feel bad that I disagree with your, your kind of thing about like it goes on a bit too long. What I kind of pose almost is that it's meant to go on a little too long. Yep. It's like it's just like such a meandering kind of like you know you go through this entire journey and you know it's almost like you know he comes this thing of like he gets there and he finds this person and she's like oh why have you been looking for me? Like, you've only just met me once. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm coming to save you. And she's like, no, I'm going to try and make the most of it. Like I made main dinner tonight. And it's just like, you know, there's no hero moment or like this loser was right all along. It's just, it was an absolute waste of time. Like there's not <laughs> everything at the start of this movie. We're pretty much back at that place. There is no arc that is achieved, no moral lesson. You know, it's almost reminds me almost of like Seinfeld. Like no <laughs> huggings, no lessons, yeah. and you just come away from it, and you're like, "Oh, I can see why people go, oh, what is that film about?" And it's just a waste of time. It's stupid, and it's like, "Well, that is that is Sam." It's just that's the feeling I take away from it. I've never had the urge to deep dive into the movie and like these hidden codes and messages because it's like it's literally just making fun of me if I do that. I'm just going to take <laughs> it all at face value. What a stupid character Sam is. Love it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think also this is like for me would deserve a second, like a, a rewatch to say the least. You know, that was just my first takeaway. Is like, man, I wish some of this was tighter. But you're right, that's like not the point. Like, it's like you know the opposite of the point of this movie. So I t- I totally get that. Uh, for me, I really enjoyed him meeting the author, and again, just kind of seeing like you know we see him you know explain his whole vanna white theory in the bathtub yeah. like, what the fuck is this guy talking about <laughs> this is insane you know and then yeah we meet the author who has like these like like the life masks and all this like i bought this cereal box he has all the answers and we're like what are, this is this is like another level this is kind of crazy to see but i don't know i i really enjoyed that i like that that guy that plays the author as well um yeah as far as like what it all means i mean i'm with you lee like i don't know that it does i i am left wondering who the owl's kiss is like i mm-hmm. wondered if it was um you know the girl that came over again like ricky Lindholm, like who who's the nurse because like he talked to her about it so maybe she was like doing it as like a 
role play thing or something. I don't know exactly like what it was, but obviously, you know, we, we saw what happened with the author and the owl's kiss. So that's my biggest like takeaways. Like, so what was that? Who was that? You know? And, um, I think the parrot thing was just like a great, like none of it matters, you know, like he wasn't saying anything, you know, it kind of sounded like you can make it sound like always look up, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the ending of the movie, but I just like that lady's like, oh, I have no idea what he's saying, but whatever. (laughs) Like, it's like like the landlord that's like, you know, maybe she just realizes like you're a loser that like (laughs) lowest money in your end. He's like, yeah, he he is exactly that. And he smells as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was the thing too. Every party he went to was like, dude, you still smell like a skunk. Like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think for me, I really like the bath scene. And I think Andrew Garfield gets really animated here. And I think he delivers some of the best um kind of work of the movie in explaining all of this and i love andrew garfield hand gestures i think that's like something he has really going for him as an actor so i I really liked this scene um and the fact that the nurse like she listens to all of it and then she's like hey you really stink i'm gonna get out of here and he just like he was expecting to like change her world and like Mm -hmm. totally rope her into this and she's like i'm sure like i gotta go i'm getting i'm getting out of here so i think it's really an interesting scene um I think the, I mean, you're both right. Like Lee, you're totally right in saying if you don't take this movie at face value, you are exactly what this movie is, is being meta about and like mocking and trying to have meta text on. Um, but like, I, I can't help myself. Like I wish, I wish we lived in a world where I wasn't crazy if I believed in something like this and I could look at the map of a cereal box from like 30 years ago and be like, holy shit, it takes me to this crazy underground place. Um, the Ascension stuff is, is wild. I think, I think very much like men, which we'll talk about, um, next week on the pod. I know you haven't seen it yet. Lee and Ben, you haven't seen it. Um, I saw it last night. It's, it's a movie that's trying to say a lot and nothing all at the same time. And I think movies heard something similar. Someone went, yeah, like as a Scottish person, I take great pride in a review I saw where someone went, I think people just need to realize this movie's about how annoying the English are. <laughs> and that's that's enough to be about a movie. It's like yeah. fantastic. I'm glad I'm glad Americans are gonna realize that as well. Yeah. And you know, and I think sometimes when a movie is trying to uh say a lot uh like thematically without being very poignant about it, um, uh, people kind of draw back. And so I think that could be one of the criticisms to this movie. Um, not, not being liked super heavily. It doesn't have a great critic score. It's got a 59% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and a 56% uh, rotten as well from audience members. So um, I, I think it's a really quite a great movie. Who is the Owl's Kiss is the one question. And like you mentioned, like yeah. that's, that's real. That happens. I, I think that's totally legit. Um, and I think that's like the one question um, at the end of the movie. But I, I think it is quite an adventure that really could just like suck your life away if you really want to get invested in the movie. Uh, let's let's talk about our A one acts. So we've got Andrew Garfield in this movie. He is he's kind of headlining this thing. He's in tons of really really good stuff. Obviously, we've got the Amazing Spider Man, Hacksaw Ridge, The Social Network, Tick Tick Boom, Under the Banner of Heaven, which is his new show, uh, Never Let Me Go, and Eyes of Tammy Faye. Some of his most popular things. Uh, Lee. Where does Under the Silver Link rig for you? What are you going to give the A1 Act to for Andrew Garfield? I think it's got to be Under the Silver Lake. I think he's done some really good work. I think a uh, film that I've, I've not seen Tick, Tick, Boom. I found the discourse slightly annoying and never got around to it. <laughs> but 
I thought like I didn't enjoy the film. I found it quite hard to get into, but I thought his performance in, in Silence was great. Mainstream, um, I think it was, was it Gia Coppola um, directed that one? Um, that is a really, it's, it's an okay film, but his performance is fantastic. And if you think he's not very subtle in this film, that film like jacks up a lot. So, but I think Under the Silver Lake is, is just his best performance. It just blends that physical side, but it also just plays for him as like, the absolute weirdo that mm-hmm. I think we've kind of seen, especially with like the past year with all the kind of media circuit stuff that he's done that Andrew Garfield is a very odd man and, <laughs> and under the silver lake realizes that. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Ben? That's perfect. Uh, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's my Spider-Man, you know, like I, he, I think he's the best Spider-Man um, and the worst Peter Parker. <laughs> I love Andrew Garfield so much. Um, but I think, for me, I, I have to go with the social network and I think it's just, it's the first thing I remember seeing him in mm-hmm. and he, for me, stole the movie. Like, you know, Jesse Eisenberg is great. The, you know, army hammer, all that kind of stuff. Everything was good. But I, I left that movie just like, wait, who is this dude? That's, you know, like paying, playing uh, Eduardo. Like I like this guy a lot. I want to see what else he's doing. Obviously the next thing was Spider-Man, but I even went back and bought like the Blu-ray of like, never let me go. I'm like, I got to see what this, this guy is. Such in a it, good you know? film. Nice. That's, that's a really good movie. That's another one with like a solid cast. So um, yeah, for me, you know, probably, you know, nostalgia or whatever, but like the first thing was social network and that's just always remained my favorite. I love that. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot, a lot of people are obviously going to know him for the amazing Spider-Man and, and that's kind of like where he got the big, the big break. Um, he's pretty good in Tick, Tick, Boom. I mean, nominated for an Oscar, so I get it. Um, I don't think that movie utilizes his uh, strangeness, like you say, Lee, like his, his kind of like weirder nature, um, much like this movie does. And when I think back on Under the Silver Lake, his ability to like contemplate while uh, like not say anything, but say a lot at the same time, right? Like his ability to kind of portray uh, like the gears are turning in his head and we can see that and we can kind of think in step with what he is is doing, I think is something special that he can do. The social network is on the list. I'm never not going to pick the social network. Um, that's it. It's the best movie of the last decade in my eyes. Uh, and he he's in it. So it's gonna It's going to go to the social network. Um, the other A1 act we have for for today is this kind of like psychological thriller Easter eggy type movie, right? This movie, you can um, break down everything and anything and look for meaning and what is this and what is that and um, try to find all these clues. I've got a few on here. Uh, I know I'm missing a lot. We've got The Game uh, by by David Fincher. That is really kind of set along those lines. Maholan Drive, uh, Zodiac, The Big Lebowski I put on the list because it's a, it's a similar, you know, fashion of there's kind of some like higher up society that um, is instilling itself in this eyes wide shut. I did put men on the list as well, which is similar. And then rear window. Um, ben, are you going to, are you going to pull a classic? Are you going to, are you going to pull something out of your pocket that's not on the list? No, actually I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping with what we got here. Uh, a movie that's an unsung gem for me that I want more people to see is the game. Uh, it's just one of my Fire. favorite movies. And I think, I don't know anyone who's seen it and didn't like it. I just know a lot of people who haven't seen it, you mm. know, so I would recommend the game to anybody. So that's what I'm going with. Nice. What do you got, Lee? I'm going to go for another film set in LA with a main character that I am guaranteed smells of weed <laughs> and God knows what else. 
but I'm going with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's An Inherent Vice. Oh, nice. A film that I, I've never loved. I've, I, I, Paul Thomas Anderson's my, my favorite filmmaker, and um, it's probably one of my least favorite of his films. But like, I remembered watching that for the first time in a cinema, and I was like, just trying to get my head around like this mystery and the clues and what was going on. I'm going, this doesn't make sense. And like feeling like I need to keep a notepad to keep up. <laughs> and then when I just watched the film and I'm like, oh, it's just like a drug haze of like, it, you don't really need to worry about the plot. Just go with the mood and the vibe. Yeah. Um, and I think Inherent Vice and, and Under the Silver Lake would make a, a really good Los Angeles investigation double bill. Yeah, it really would. Oh yeah, what a double feature. You would just be lost as fuck after you walk out of that <laughs> cinema. You would be messed up forever. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I love your shout out about the game, Ben. I think that's important, um, because it is really good. It's really good. Michael Douglas as well. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty impressive. Um, I am, I'm going to go with Zodiac. Um, not necessarily because the, the film itself is curious or kind of along these lines, but more so like the, the actual case of Zodiac is, uh, fascinating in that, you know, it's been happening for so long and, uh, up until recently, supposedly, we we never know who knew who it was and and things like that. So um, uh, again, something you know, this topic that you can just bear your life away, as does Jake Gyllenhaal, and you can just lose yourself in this very uh, you know niche niche moment in time. Um, let's rank this movie. Let's rank under the Silver Lake. Let's let's wrap up with our closing thoughts. We've got our first cow, which will be our top tier, one of the best A twenty four films that they can make. We have a good time, which is a mid-level, and then uh, the farewell, which is uh, you know probably wouldn't watch it again and probably wouldn't recommend it. Uh, Lee, kick us off. Where are you putting under the Silver Lake? So I'm looking at my uh, on my letterbox. Um, I've got like a, a master list of like all A24 films that I've seen. So I'm like, Men is I think the only outstanding one. So I've got like okay. 116 rated A24 films, and I have all 116 under the Silver Lake is at 12 place which is incredibly high so that's like four and a half out of five according i've i've seen it three times and i've rated it four and a half uh each time so yeah it is in the the top top tier for me that's amazing i respect that that's great man that's so cool um yeah i think for me right now i'm just gonna have to do a good time um i am excited to come back to this at some point and revisit it now that i've seen it once but you know, again, super fresh off of it. It's been like about an hour since I finished the movie. Uh, so, you know, take us with a, a grain of salt. But for right now, it's going to be a good time for me just because I don't know that Andrew Garfield can give me a performance that's anything less than that. Yeah, uh, I'm actually I'm actually going to go with a, a first cow as well. I think when you talk about the A24 filmography, this is something even a little stranger than like what A24 normally does. And I I think the more that I think about it, and the more I sit on it, I like the meandering you know factor of this movie i like that it is it is long and it does feel long but i think that's supposed to you know induce our own paranoia and we're supposed to feel what sam feels and i i think it's a smart well-made movie that um kind of blends genres for a24 with being super weird but also being um something very kind of more intimate and interpersonal and uh you've got you've got riley keogh you've got andrew garfield you have a great cast I think it's something that is uh, definitely on the upper tier and and something that that I don't think a lot of people have seen that I want more people to watch. 
for sure. So the, cri- the critical reacclaim begins right now <laughs> on this podcast. Like we'll know the tide is turned when like a twenty four tweet out one day. Yeah. Like the under the silver lake, like uh, you know, little book that is like going to be in the store for fifty dollars. You'll be like, you yeah. get, you get, like you tried to bury it, but now it's coming. We brought back. together our a twenty four pods and we're we're That's lifting exactly up. It. We what campaign. <laughs> the powers united. Yes, a twenty four. Give us all the uh, under the silver lake merch. Um, any closing thoughts from from any of you bef- before we get out of here before Lee drops all of his all of his info where you can find him? Do you know what I think is disgraceful? And I, I had to check it like again for this podcast, and I check it every few months. Like, why is David Robert Mitchell not got another film coming up next? Like, ah. say what you like about Under the Silver Lake. Even if we remove that altogether, that it just was vanished away. It only you know only people in New York and LA ever saw it in a cinema. Like, how is the guy that made It Follows? I wasn't a, as big a fan as, as most people. Like, how is this guy not got another film coming up? Why has he not been got another passion project or small indie movie or A24 yeah. putting him in the same thing as an Eggers or an Aster or someone like that and going, what have you got next? What do you want to do? Yeah. Like, why are we mm-hmm. not hearing about him? Like, he should have a new film at Cannes right at this summer right now. And we should be hearing his film had a disaster a few years ago, but he's back. Like, what's what's happened to him it's it's just unacceptable when whether you like this film or not he's such a talent in terms of a writer a director you know we should be be fostering that and yet he's he's kind of vanished yeah i think it's a a really good point obviously he's someone who appreciates uh classic hollywood as well which is always a plus in the industry and i'm surprised that hasn't played more into his ability to like take on stuff but um yeah i mean that was all i wanted to say it's just like I, i do i appreciate the throwbacks to the even you know the the talkies and just like you know the silent films all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff it was kind of cool to see people in our age group still loving those old movies i think that's part you know part of where my ranking came from is like oh it's cool to see other people like things that aren't just from the last 20 years it's it's awesome to see that in, in the movie yeah absolutely uh 100% agree i rumor was that he was working on a project called heroes and villains for a long time um it doesn't look like that's currently on his IMDb uh, like upcoming projects list. And, and this movie came out in 2018 and that's kind of when this news was reported. So uh, my guess is that that project is dead in the water. Um, so I think, you know, you're, you're sitting in a very interesting time right now for a 24 becoming more successful at the box office, more prominent as this kind of brand name. Um, does that leave people like David Robert Mitchell behind and kind of in the dust on their more experimental things that might not uh, succeed as well um, commercially as A24 uh, wants. So uh, I think that's that's very interesting. I think absolutely this movie deserves a watch. And if you don't like it, I think that's fantastic. And if you like it, I think that's even better. Um, it is an incredible piece of art for sure that I that I think encapsulates a lot. Uh, Lee, where can, where can people find you if they want more of you? You've got a pod, you've got a letterbox. Give it to us. Yeah, you can find me, like, you can easily find me on Letterboxd, like, Lee Hutchison, um, and yeah, that's my, like, Instagram, Twitter is at Lee, you know, Hutchison underscore, and yeah, I also have a, an A24 podcast, because who needs, who needs just one, there needs to be multiple <laughs> ones out there, and exactly. um, yeah, if you had, if you wanted to listen to this episode, we, I had Disaster Piece on to talk about sort of, like, the making of the score, and, like, his work on it follows, oh, etc., so yeah. if you want to, like, an extra bit of, like, Under the Silver Lake chat, like, we spoke about sort of like the, the can issue and the delays and what happened there. So yeah, that might complement this, this discussion quite well. Oh, without nice. a doubt. That's Little awesome. double, double booking for the pod, huh? 
Yeah. Love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Give that a listen for sure. Go follow Lee's pod. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for, for listening. We want to know if you've seen under the silver lake and what you thought about it. Uh, is it, you know, telling us everything or nothing or both, you know, like hit us up and yeah. let us know. You can get us on Twitter, or Instagram at 24 minutes of a 24. I am Ben Lawhorn. And I am Ethan Simi. Spring break forever, bitches. 